what's up? How are you guys doing? It's another episode of the Tea with MC. My name is Malobi, and I have with me Thomason. You already know what we do now, you guys. We're oversharing about sexuality, love, and life. We like to entertain, inform, and entertain and educate rather. <laughs> and today <laughs> we'll be starting off with our affective, which is um, transactional relationships. Is the concept of no romance without finance legit? Or is it just something that we throw about? What do you think, Tomisin? Do you think that relationships are basically transactional, no matter the type of relationship we're in? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think that, like, as as human beings, we expect things from other people, whether it's your parents or your friends or your boyfriend or girlfriend. We expect that at the end of the day, you're going to get something out of it. You don't go into a relationship without expecting something. Whether it's you expect love, that's a transaction at the end of the day. You expect money. I expect my parents to, like, support me. If they don't support me, it hurts. Why? Because I'm expecting that they're my parents and that's what they should be doing, right? So I definitely think that all relationships are some in some way somehow transactional. So whether it's romantic or sexual or not, it's basically transactional. To you, you go into a romantic relationship and you're expecting what? Orgasms. If Fair. You, if you don't Fair. get them, don't you get upset? Don't you want to leave eventually? But the fact is you're expecting something and your, your expectation is because you're expecting, oh, I'm going to give this person this and I'm going to get this. I'm going to give this person love and I'm going to get love. I'm going to give this person money or my time and I expect money or my time in return. It's all transactional. In the day. We are human beings. It's our nature to be transactional. We don't do things People tell people will say, "Oh, I do it. I do it for the love of it." Even when I talk about stuff like my business, I do it because I love the creative industry and I love, I love the the thoughts of the fact that like in a few years' time, Nigerian creatives will take over the world. Yeah, but I expect to make money from that. I expect that my business will blossom from that. I expect that I will not need to sit down and be hustling anymore because I'm in the forefront of this business opportunities. But are we just... So when you say that, basically, whether the relationship is sexual or not, it's a transaction. Whether it's between you and your parents or you and friends or a work relationship. So why do we stigmatize the blueprint like um transactional relationship when i say blueprint transactional i mean like i'm giving you sex for money Mm. when we talk about people who do runs for example why do we make it such a problem that people do runs when in actual fact every relationship is transactional because people just don't like the idea of or they don't want to like the idea of currency in exchange for things because we have such a high would I say value of money? Money is just paper, right? Money is just what helps us move in this life, right? Not just, but it is what helps us move in this life. And so when we think of, oh, this value thing that I require to live life and sex, which to them is like money here, sex here, and you want to equate it, their mind is like, no, you can't do that. It's wrong. You can't do that. But the fact is, I just want to say, so those what? of you that think that money is here and sex is here, you're all fucking delusional, man. 
<laughs> I don't think that. I think that it's just a. Sorry to say, but like it's almost an African thing. Like even though like sex work is stigmatized or classified as risque all around the world, I think that in Africa and in Nigeria in particular, we're just very delusional and we deceive ourselves. Mm. I think that sex is a basic need. I think that intimacy is a basic need. And rather than look for people or try to force people who aren't willing to be with you into having sex, I think vanilla sex transactional relationships are regular and required to survive in society. So we shouldn't try to make people feel like, oh, because I provide a service that's required for everybody, I'm doing bad. Mm -hmm. I think that we make runs girls in Nigeria seem like bad, they say bad profession, but in actual fact, we do need people that need attention, need company, and are not able to get it, and they are willing to provide money. So when you hear people like, as we were talking about Big Brother, people like Tolani Bad saying, oh, you suck dick for money. Why do we make it sound like it's a bad thing to suck dick for money? Yo, I mean, I know a friend of mine who, when I was in the UK, did he actually got himself into um, escorts. Like, he was an escort. Not like he got escorts. He himself was an escort. Mm -hmm. He got paid to simply go out with women and, like, have a good time with them. Sometimes leading to sex, sometimes not. But the fact is, he his his service was intimacy, attention, and being a good-looking guy around this woman who wants to go out with him. It's a need. It's a need. It's, it's a need that it's people when you do need have. Fuel in your car. You go to the petrol station. You get your fuel. You pay for it. You get it. It's the same way. Some people will say, "Yeah, I need. I'm going for an event." I don't know or I don't know how to be around like men in a particular way. I don't have anyone I want to be with in that kind of way. So I can actually hire someone to mm-hmm. fill that gap for me. Why won't you do it? Especially because we're in an age where we're moving to technology-based things. Or eventually, everybody will end up being registered on one site or one way. And you, if, you, if, I need, if I need a Malubi in my life, I will just search for a Malubi. A Malubi will mm-hmm. appear. will appear. Mm-hmm. I think that generally, if we accept that all relationships are transactional in nature, then we wouldn't see relationships where I demand for money for my time as such a big deal. Mm. Because think about like socially acceptable or regular, the, the forms of transactional relationships to accept, things like marriage. Mm-hmm. In every marriage, there's someone who is identified as the provider, mm-hmm. be it the woman or the man. Someone else does other things apart from providing financial support. The person has like the emotional, maybe the person person takes care of the kids or does some other domestic work and whatnot. So I personally think that if we accept that relationships in general are transactional, you're not going to be with somebody who you don't think adds any value to your life. That's just who it is. For example, I, if I'm in a relationship with a man, I don't expect that if I have certain needs and he can provide them, he will not be willing to do that. Mm-hmm. I would classify such a man as a stingy man. That's Fair. the truth. I would classify such a man as a stingy man. I expect that in certain situations, if I am, especially if I'm earning less, you should be able to meet certain needs of mine Mm -hmm. because I provide to you as well emotional support, companionship. And when you do need money, I should be able to do the same for you. Maybe not as much as you, 
But do you get so I if feel I like can, I will. if we understand that relationships generally, whether it's romantic or not, whether it's sexual or not, generally are transactional. You don't give without expecting something back. Then it'll be easier to understand that certain people cannot get into relationship, but that doesn't doesn't mean that their needs should not be met. And also we're thinking about it from the perspective of, you know, you as a person who who believes that they can, you know, date or mm-hmm. meet somebody. There are certain people in, in life who don't have the I don't want to say capability but they don't have those skill sets mm-hmm. to actually meet people that they want to actually date and but then they do get lonely they do get they do have needs as well and their way of curbing those situations is by you know hiring someone getting someone to do those things for them i think that's just something that we need to think about it's not just about oh because you are able bodied and you're able to talk to any guy you meet when you go out or any girl mm. you meet when you go out it does not mean that like you are the only one people that can't and also on the, on the flip side there are people who don't who need or have a requirement to make some money it doesn't mean that because they sell their bodies is terrible i don't i've never been able to understand that that because oh i've decided within myself not that oh somebody forced me into it that's a whole different conversation but the fact that i have decided that i actually want to give my body as a service or my time as a service and i want to get paid for that don't look down on me because that's a decision that i made myself Mm. so i just feel like people look at things from them oh me i can't sorry oh that you can't or good for you that you can't but the fact is some people don't have that luxury in life but do you think that the transactional nature of relationships in general prevents people from finding love or finding meaningful relationships. I'll give you a simple example. The typical Nigerian man does not want to be in a relationship if he's broke. Mm. And this is because there's the expectation that men are providers in relationships generally. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So do you think that it's sort of, there's an expectation that one person is the provider and based on this nature, like of the, of relationships, it's difficult for people to find love or find meaningful connections. I think it's influenced by culture, especially in this country. It's influenced by just like, like you said, stigmatization Uh and like expectation of men versus women. I think that it is something you yourself have to break free of because at the end of the day, if you cannot provide for the person you are with and you feel like you ought to, then fine, don't be in a relationship, but don't allow that to be the reason why you meet somebody who's your person and you are like, nah, I can't be with this person because I don't have enough money yet. You but are, would you date a broke guy? I won't date, I won't date a broke guy because... I know what I want out of my relationship. Even if I, if, but that's why I said, even if like this person is your person, but you feel like you are not able to provide what you feel like you ought to for that person, then do not put yourself in a position of where you're going to end up lack of trust, shame, anxiety by being in a relationship. Not only will you destroy yourself, but you will destroy the other person too. So why put yourself in such a position? There's no need. But based on the generally accepted standards, you are supposed to be a provider as a man. 
Mm. It's a measure of almost like your capability. Are you a real man or not? Like, can you provide for a babe? So when you say things like, oh, don't put somebody, don't get into those situations if you feel like, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. The general expectation of that you should, should, as a man, be a provider. So a lot Mm. of men feel like, if I cannot provide, I'm not a man. If I cannot provide, I can't be in a relationship. We can't discount that fact. Yeah, no, no doubt. But like I said, I think that that is very, is a cultural thing, especially. It's a social thing, yes. But I also feel like you also have to make those sacrifices and decisions for yourself. You have to come out of that mindset. E- exclude yourself from the, cult- the cultural nuggets in your brain. And just say, okay, for me personally, what do I want for myself? If I want to be with somebody and I can't provide for her, then what are the things I need to do to ensure that I can provide for her? Like, it's a, I feel like you have to look in, into yourself and decide for yourself what you want to do at the end of the day. That's my own personal opinion. I wouldn't date a broke guy. I don't expect a, a broke guy to look at me and say I can date her because you cannot. But, so, <laughs> while you don't want to date a broke person, do you think that personally for you do you think that dating someone who is significantly richer than you sort of gives the person an edge to behave in a certain way no do you think that like people who are in a more stable financial bracket usually would tend to overact like behave badly because they know that they can buy their their spouse back um, I feel like that's a personal thing. At the end of the day, me, I know the family of which I come from. I know. So I cannot speak on behalf of people that don't have that luxury, right? But I know the luxury that I have. I can fall back on my parents. There's no amount of money you think you can win over me that I can't go and collect from my father or from my father's brother or from my mother's brother or from my grandparents. There's nothing. So I cannot speak on anybody else's, like, parts i could just speak for myself and just know that this is mm-hmm. where i stand at the end of the day you shouldn't allow anybody to use money to win you over or to or to lure over you you shouldn't allow that but at the end of the day this is real life and people are requiring people need money especially in this country so there's only so much one can say or do it's all about at the end of the day every man for himself you will look out for yourself and whether that means somebody's learning over you you have to make that decision yourself so I think that personally, in a lot of situations where there is a financial gap and one person is stronger than the other, unconsciously, it doesn't even have to be a situation of I'm loading stuff over you. Generally, when somebody is seen as the provider, a lot of the time they tend to make decisions for you mm. as to what you need. Do you understand? So someone who has money may be trying to show you love and maybe buying you gifts because they assume or they make the call for you that, oh, this is what I need. Mm -hmm. But in actual fact, that's not what you need. So I think that it is always important for people to understand when you are in a position where you're in a better um, financial standing than the person you're dating, I think it's important to understand that money doesn't solve everything. Facts. Do you understand? You gifts can't throw money at exact gifts don't solve everything. So it's always important to understand the partner that you're with and yep. try to get what it is that they want because it's very easy to throw money at people. Yep. And it becomes almost like a form of exploitation, knowing that okay, if I fuck up, no problem. I'll just buy her gifts, she'll be fine. Mm-hmm. If she's the, I just need to meet this certain t- but we are not actually having conversations. So at the same time, like you you 
as a person who is less financially stable, I think it's very easy to lose yourself knowing that whatever you're giving, like my expectation is that this person takes care of me and I'm a good girlfriend. You now find yourself trying to like meet the standards. Oh, what does it mean to be a good girlfriend? What does it mean to do this, do that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, the person doesn't understand what it means to love you without money being involved. How do you think that if you were the one, how would you address that kind of situation where the person seems to be just throwing money at you? As opposed to trying to understand what it is that makes you tick. I mean, I'm fully for I'm fully for communication. So I will literally tell you this: gifts cannot buy me. Like personally, you can you can buy me. I need a new phone. Buy me a new phone. I need a new laptop. Buy me a new laptop. All those things, yeah, are wonderful. But there will even be a point where me, I'll be like, no. If I need a new phone, like I said before, I have that luxury. Many people don't. I will literally go and tell my dad, please, I need you to borrow me money. I need to buy a new phone. Rather than collect phone from somebody who I know is going to use it against me later. Or even just use it to hold me down. Because they're like, eh, you messed up. Just bought a new phone, Sha. I can't. It's just the person. It's, it's, like I said, I speak for myself. Because I know that there are many people out there who cannot say the same thing. But the fact is... In a case where there's this kind of thing involved, where money is involved in a country like Nigeria, where we know we're all basically living to survive, making money to survive, it is very, very difficult to say, oh, this person is giving me money and I want them to stop giving me money. It is difficult. But yeah. Okay, guys, so welcome to the second part of today's episode. Pour me a stiff drink where we talk about our main topic for the day. And really and truly, from our first conversation, if you know that you don't want to be in a transactional relationship, the fact is, get your money up. Step it up, sis. Step it up, nigga. Okay? Just get your money up. But, like... One thing that I've been thinking about with the fact that, like, you know, we're in Nigeria, the Naira is poor as hell. How about you just find your way out of the country, jackpot, and move? Go to Canada, figure out a way to get out of this country. Have you considered leave, leaving Nigeria? Oh, um, I'm working on it. No, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I'm not even going to lie. You know I have been working on yeah, it for a while, yeah, but, yeah. like... I think 80% of the people who are under 40 in Nigeria are working on getting out. And it's simply because the country is fucking hard, man. The Naira keeps dropping on a daily. Like, it doesn't even make sense to have Naira savings anymore. Nope. You know, it just seems like you're not done getting over one gas boost. Another one is coming. Like, we see headlines that crack us up. So, <laughs> headlines that are almost too good to be true, but they are reality because mm-hmm. we're in Nigeria. So, if you're not planning to relocate, Omar, I'm looking at you with certain side eye. But the truth is, relocation, I think, is good on paper. It's good when you are thinking about it. When you the do relocate, is... it's a different situation entirely. Especially because, and let's be realistic, how many of us are trying to relocate legally? I mean, I can't speak for anybody else. Do you understand? I know a lot of people who try to relocate, but the legal methods are 
only so many you know you're getting a master's or you're going through some express entry program and whatnot but majority of us just travel and don't come back mm. so before you jack by it, i personally think that it's, it makes sense to do it too but you shouldn't do it blind yep do you get i think you should plan have the money that's required to survive and have a plan because it doesn't always go according to what you think is going to happen. You're not always going to get a job. You're not always going to. In fact, like I was talking to a friend of mine who has been in the U.S. for a while and she went illegally. She was trying to do the whole marriage thing and all. And the guy scammed her and ran away. We yeah. never talk about these things. We always say, oh, like, just leave the country. Go to Yankee. Go to Canada. And your life gets better. It doesn't always get better. There are certain people that have run back to Nigeria out of frustration. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. It's not always so easy, you know. And we actually have a couple tips for you guys, especially those trying to go to Canada, because it seems that Canada is is the hot spot. Everybody trying to go to Canada these you, days you know, because Canada is legal now. So Canada is one of the few places in the world that has an like an express entry program where, as a professional, as a working person, someone who has a corporate job and corporate experience, you can go there. Basically, just shift your life from here and go and start again there. And it's very desirable because they have a better system. You'll be making more money. But I just want you to know that it's possible that you enter Canada and you will not work till like 2024. <laughs> or like, I swear now, like, there's literally someone that I know that left the organization she was with in like 2018. And this is the year 2021. She is desperately now trying to close out on a job. So for the past three years, she has not survived on shit. She's been surviving on the money that she carried from Niger. I swear down. So like, we always make it seem like Jackpa is the surest way. It's not guaranteed that you're going to make it. You can go there and you'll be in the streets. When I say in the streets, not the relationship, on the fucking road, man. You won't have where to live. Yeah, but there's so many things you would think about aside from that. Like, you know, in in, in Nigeria, my my grandfather always told me before he passed, God rest his soul, he he always told me, see, yeah, you can stay in the UK, because I lived in the UK for a while, but you can stay in the UK and, you know, finish school, work, but you would always have a glass ceiling above your head. Always. Constantly. You always be the foreigner. No matter how long you have lived there, even with your accent, you will always be the foreigner. When you are in Nige, there's no such thing as glass ceiling. The heavens, the heavens are where you will touch if you can make it there. And when you think about it, you guys, how many people that were not born there as Nigerians who relocate and become like citizens or whatever, how many of them actually blow? I have family, like my entire nuclear family, except my mom and my sister, they're only Yankee. And I, I don't think that they're doing badly, but I don't think they're ever going to be like famous or make a great name for themselves, you know? So like for me, that's one of the things holding me back. I want to make a name for myself. I want people to hear my lobby and they're like, oh yeah, I know that babe now. She's doing this, she's doing that. Like, just... <laughs> Like, I want to make a name for myself. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not sure about relocating full-time. Because in America, like, even those that were born there, they are still dealing with racism. Facts. The racism is from the whites. 
is from, is from your blacks, mm-hmm. your fellow blacks, including Nigerians who were born there. Fact. Because generally, it's like an intrusion. You're coming there to take over their jobs. You're coming there to take over their women. You're take, coming there to take, You know, Nigerian men, they're high in demand. Um, they are high in demand, though. <laughs> you Nigerian men that are planning to jab car, just know that you're getting hate from the whites, from the blacks, from the yellows, the reds, all the races, oh, man. Do you the get blues, to that? The greens. I just think that. A lot of the time, when we relocate, we relocate based on a dream that has been sold to us that abroad is better. But I can tell you for a fact that abroad is not always better. But I mean, looking at myself, I lived in the UK for 10 years. I took my two legs and came back to Nigeria. People always ask me like, oh, you know, you are Pali, you can go back and you want to go back. But I'm still here. And it's not because, oh, I can't go back or I don't want some days. I'm just like, man, this Nigeria, God forbid, I'm going back. But the truth is, like, I know the racism, the discrimination I faced, you know, being not born in the UK, but, like, being a Nigerian girl in the UK. I know the fact that, like, everything I want to do with my brand, myself, who I want to be, I cannot find her in Uh the UK. Uh I cannot. Like, it's not possible. Yeah, Nigeria is terrible with all the rubbish that goes on. But the fact is, here in my home country... I can be who I want to be by myself. I don't have anyone over me that will tell me, nah, you can never, it will take me 10 years to escalate to project manager. From project manager, it take me another 10 years to get to even assistant to the MD. Before I even, I want to be my own MD. I want to be a CEO. I am. But still, I can't do that properly the way I want to. Uh-huh. <laughs> the way I want to in the, in the UK. I can't do that elsewhere. So, yeah, I mean, people will always have the conversation, yeah, Nigeria is tough, Nigeria is bad. If you want to jackpot, go ahead and jackpot, but don't go and jackpot thinking that things will be smooth sailing. Be ready for the stress, for the discrimination, for the amount of for the times that you will cry and be like, oh, mom, shit, Nigeria will be bad like this. So the fact is, it's a lot of work. It's not just, oh, jackpot season. Girl. And Jackpot season has been here for ages. For those of you that think that you are the one with the bright idea that leaving Nigeria is the solution to your problems, your grandfather has tried to leave. Your great grandfather has tried to Jackpot as well. Many of them From- came back. Many of them came back. If you talk to your a lot of grandparents, like my, my my dad was born in the UK. He came back. My grandmother, my grandpa, they were they were in the UK. They all Jackpot in their own time. They all came back. Because they saw what they did not understand they could see when they got there. They were like, Omo, first of all, you're going to face things like, you're going to face racism. You're going to face the inability to get a good job. Because everything is working against you as a foreigner. Uh-huh. You, are not, you are not one of them. They don't consider you one of them. Then you come back to Nigeria and, you are facing, and they are facing you like, mm, this I just go back. That's what you are hearing. Next thing, like, are you ready to deal with both sides of the community looking at you and thinking to themselves, "We don't want this person." You are, you become an outlaw. But like, Lokisha, the IJGB community in Nigeria, I think that they have certain benefits that accrue to them. Like in a typical local setting for a job, when you come there and you enter with an accent and they check your CV and they see that, oh, you went to this university in the UK, it gives you an edge. You can't deny that. So I would say like, honestly speaking, if you're planning to jackpot, but you don't, you're worried about the things that come with Jackpot, like you not necessarily having a name for each other, for, for, for like what you do or like being able to establish yourself. Not everybody wants that as well. Not everybody wants 
to be a name. I think if you do want to be a name, it's best to go and come back. Yeah. The way that Nigeria is set up right now, we appreciate foreign exposure, foreign experience. So being an IJGB does benefit you. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like, we're not necessarily bashing people who think that Jackpa is the way forward. As I said at the beginning of the show, Malubi is trying to Jackpa. (laughs) Don't think that, like, I'm not in it as well. But I just think that if you really want to enjoy the benefits of being a Nigerian in Nigeria, the best way to go about it is to become an IGGB. Facts. I'm not going to lie. Being an IGGB has helped my life in so many ways. In so many ways. I know what I graduated with. (laughs) I know what I graduated with. Okay? Whether I went to school, not a problem. I shan't know what I came out with. But what I came out with, uh, anybody who came out with that same degree in this Nigeria cannot get a job the way I got my jobs. No. There's no way. Like, the fact that I went to school in the UK is enough for any person that looked at my CV and said, okay, come in. But if I went to school in Nigeria, there's no way I would get the same jobs I'm getting right now. And again, it's a luxury, it's a privilege that is awesome. But that's just facts of life. You want to ga- game the system, guys. Game it. Go out. Go and get foreign exposure. Come back. See life change. I swear. But are there downsides to you f- of being an IJGB? Do, do you think that the IJGBs in Nigeria have an... Obviously, you already said they have an unfair advantage. But do you think that the disadvantage that comes with leaving the country and coming back? Mm, first of all, like your peers don't look at you the same. My peers, when I first got back, I, I can never forget. They were all just like, mm, this one traveled. And they were all doing their thing. They already had their communities. They already, things were already built for them. They already knew what they were doing. And I just came in and I'm like, oh, I just got, just got back. And they're just like, mm, you still run away again. So they excluded me from many things because mm. I'm not part of them really at the end of the day. Do you get their own like you don't you don't really know Nigeria. You just come in for a, like people that come in December and think that they that they have been to Nigeria. I've not been to Nigeria, I've been for holiday. Don't get it twisted. You have not been to Nigeria, you don't know what Nigeria is really like until you have lived yeah. here. So, so there's a disadvantage there basically is a disadvantage. because you are cut off. You are cut off. People don't want they just see you as a okay, coming and going. So they give you a front face. You don't see their true faces until much later. If you end up staying, you start to see the true face of Nigerians. You know, Nigerians love to smile at you. Ah, they love to give you that face. Ah, sweet girl, mm, smile. Give it two months. Honestly, they will change it up for you so fast. You won't believe it. What I'm going to say with regards to this jackpot conversation is, honestly, yeah, I would not blame you for trying to jackpot. Just have your facts and have your information and understand that honestly, all this anatomy is saying honestly, I think it's BS. Like I get it too, I relate, <laughs> but but I think that personally, I would have had a better life if you, I had that opportunity not saying, or exposure. I'm not saying to being that, a foreigner oh, because they in because they because they cut me off. I was sad. Eh, the fact is. 
cool. People will do that to you anywhere. When you go to the UK, after you mm-hmm. finish, after, when you jackpa, yeah. or if you go to the UK, they will still cut you there too because they will be like this foreigner. It's the same thing everywhere. You learn how to, you you adapt, you deal with it. And the country is on fire, man. I'm not even going to lie. I also think that we should <laughs> not stigmatize people who try to better their lives by doing things like marrying for papers. Nah. I think that it is a survival technique in 2021 for this Nigeria. This is the life that we live. The thing, exactly. So, if you do get opportunities to jackpa, just jackpa. have your information. Know that it may go good for you, it might go great, but, but it may also be shit for you. And just make your choices based on that. Even as you jackpa, one thing I always like to like point out is that Nigerians abroad in the diaspora, like the, even the ones that jackpad, you still have a voice to make things better for the future of Nigerian people at the end of the day. Nigerian government hates they hate any kind of international embarrassment. Uh-huh, uh-huh, any uh-huh. kind of international embarrassment. They can't stand it, bruh. So for me, the most one of the most important things is yeah, okay, Jackpa, but Jackpa knowing the fact that you're going to have Nigerian kids. Your kids, whether you whether they're whether they are born in Canada or, or they are born in the UK, they are still going to be Nigerian, regardless. And they may then decide, oh, I want to go and see what Nigeria is like. What mm-hmm. kind of future do you want for your kids in this country? Even when they come back to visit, when they come back to visit and they, are, and they, they take lights and they are like, ah, mommy, I don't like this place, I don't like this place, mm-hmm. bruh. Be, at the end of the day, you have the power now as a young person, as a young adult to do a lot, vote. Get your goddamn PVC, guys. Get your voter's card. You can vote online these days. Come uh-huh. come on. And it doesn't just start at the presidential level. Look at your local government. Where are your parents live, living right now? What is happening in that area? You want Desmond Elliott to be building water fountains up and down the old place? No! No! What is he really going to do? Let's... let's get involved. Get Be part yeah. of the community. I mean, me, I'm saying this, so... Not like... And just for full, like, because someone drags me, I don't have my PVC yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working on it, and I've tried to get involved in, like, things that are happening in Etiosa. Just because uh-huh. I know that I live in that area. My parents live in that area. And I want to know what's really going on. I cannot move Buhari from the house or from the rock. I can't. But I can start with who is, who is figuring out what's happening to the roads in my area. That road to ShopRite is horrendous. I've, I have been part of people that have written letters to Access Bank and Coda. are on that road. You're on that road. That road is bad. It's spoiling my car. I'm changing my steering rack. Why? These are questions I'm asking. Mm-hmm. I'm starting with my community. Start with your community. Get involved. My auntie in the UK, she doesn't live in Nigeria, but I discuss these things with her mm-hmm. because her parents also live in Etiosa mm-hmm. too. And she's like, what's happening in my parents' area? Tell me, say, help me find out. Who's the local government chairman there? What's happening? What's going on here? Who's the pump secretary here? All those kinds of things are very important. Mm-hmm. Start now. Jack Pao, but don't forget that you will forever have a glass ceiling over your head there. And if you ever want to live rich and enjoy your life, better have your, your yard in Etiosa or Banana mm-hmm. Island or wherever in Nigeria that you can come back for holiday. When you come for holiday, do you want to be coming back to bad roads? You want to be coming back to bad electricity or bad water? Come on, guys. Let's think about things as per people think about going to Paris for their holiday home. My holiday home is in Nigel, where I know I can build a mansion. You can't build mm-hmm. mansion in Paris. They will, they will not allow you to build mansion in Paris. But you can build a big ass house in Nigeria. 
and I want my road to be smooth like body lawn. So person has said it already. <laughs> <laughs> Understand that you may jackpot, but you're from here. You will always have people here that you care about, and not everybody can jackpot. So whether or not you choose to leave, it doesn't take away from the duty that you owe your country. It doesn't take away from the duty that you owe your people. So best of luck. Just don't forget home. That's facts. That's it. So, <laughs> bondage doesn't always have to be depressing. It's not always going to be a Nigeria situation. There's bondage we like. Yeah. <laughs> and in our nightcap, we're going to be exploring enjoyable bondage. So, don't go anywhere, you guys. We'll be there in a bit. So, in talking about bondage that is not depressing, we have BDSM. And we're going to be talking about BDSM for dummies, okay? For people that don't know what BDSM is. Exactly, what's BDSM? (laughs) I think we all say it here, but people don't really know what BDSM... What does BDSM mean? So, the B in BDSM stands for, you know, bondage. Bondage. Yeah, the... The B, D. (laughs) The D stands for dominance or submission. So, you're either... Dominant, um, you're either dominant or you're submissive. The S stands for sadism, and the M stands for m- masochism. Sorry. <laughs> so BDSM is basically like a level to freaky sex where there's a measure of pain involved, yep. or a measure of captivity or whatnot involved. Pretty much. Basically, where there's there are restraints or restrictions one person is in charge one person takes everything and if all goes well you should come out with orgasms both of you so we're going to be giving you one or two pointers just so that if you're interested in bdsm you know what to do without getting seriously injured okay the first thing i would say is that please endeavor to leave like drugs and alcohol out of it like, I know, yeah, you know, you're getting a bit drunk. You're like, oh, yeah, I want to try BDSM. It, it's, hmm, girl, sis, bro, nigga, hmm. Be very careful because with BDSM, there's a lot of non-moving parts. There are things that you may not be so comfortable with if you were sober, completely sober, and with the person that you're with as well, you need to ensure that there is a lot of communication with said person that you are going to be engaging in this act with. Just to clarify, when you say BDSM, in layman terms, that's like tying people up. Yeah, tying people up. Gagging you know, them. Gagging, using... Blindfolding um, yeah. them. Any, anything that's going to cause you slight, or whipping, anything that's going to cause you slight um, pain... Or like that measure of pain to pleasure, you're now entering into a what do they call those things? Like a, a lever that's going from pain to pleasure is continuously swinging up and down, mm. right? So imagine if somebody is blindfolding you and doing things that you don't like, but you are high or you are drunk. 
you need to have a sense of reality to be able to be in that situation. So I would mm-hmm. definitely say don't for a young, for someone who's just coming into BDSM, please don't involve drugs or alcohol. It is not the way to go. Mm-hmm. The second thing I will say is the person you are doing this with is very, very important. Do you trust this person? Because you can get into sticky situations and that person can leave you. Have you ever watched that movie where they handcuffed one, they have called for baby and the guy, the guy died. Even when you know the person, man, like, <laughs> be careful. Even when you know the person, I definitely do not recommend BDSM with someone you're sleeping with for the first time. I think it should be somebody that you know, because a lot of, even someone that you have a grudge with that you don't know, the think the person has forgiven you, they will tie you and leave you there. <laughs> also because with this person, you need to be able to have a conversation before anything mm-hmm. happens yeah. you need to know what your what you what what things you can take what things you don't want to take where your level of pain is what is your safe word what is that word that will come to play when you know this is in this is too much is enough i don't want anymore no safe word no bdsm that is fast i'm gonna say that like if you don't if you don't have the communication channel that allows you to tap out at any point. I don't think you should go into it at all. It's very important. And you should both respect the safe word. So if your safe word is very blast, for example, Kilimanjaro. When I say Kilimanjaro, I don't want to hear no. No. (laughs) Kilimanjaro means no. It means end. Yeah, exactly. So if you're not with someone who's going to respect your boundaries, BGSM is definitely a no-no. Facts. I think that the third thing for me as well is people always get very stressed out when you say, you know, consent. But you need to get consent throughout this entire ordeal. Uh-huh. Is this too much for you? Are you enjoying this? Here, listen to what the person is saying. Speak up as well. People are like, oh, I don't talk during sex. So I don't like to... This is not the this is not the time for that. You need to be able to speak out and say, oh, don't say, oh, her body language told me that your my body language cannot speak. My mouth speaks. I will tell you what works for me, what doesn't work for me. And if I don't like it, I will say I don't like it. If I like it, I'll say I like it. You continue, you keep going, but you need to ensure you are getting consent throughout. So there's no one point where later on you hear, oh, well. I mean, I didn't want you to do that to me. So are you saying that con- like communication during sex has to always be verbal? Because there are some people that will not speak. I'm, but I'm not saying sex. I'm saying BDSM. This is a whole different thing. I'm blindfolded. So oral communication is oral best. Oral communication okay, is fair. best. Especially fair. as a beginner. This is beginners for dummies. This is, not, this is not somebody who you have been having sex with for a long time. Okay? Or trying or, or out to risk sex. This is your first time entering into this. Oral communication is very important. Because that person may not know. I mean, some things might be pleasurable. Then they stop being pleasurable at a point. Like I said, it's a lever. It goes from pain to pleasure up and yeah. down. Uh-huh. So you need to be able to ensure that you are communicating what that is for you. And also listening to what the other person is saying. Listening and talking is very important in BDSM. So yeah, I think that and yeah, like I said, always have a safe word. And I think one thing that we always fail to understand, especially with BDSM for dummies, is the aftercare is very important. 
Don't just stand up and leave. I think in sex, generally. Don't just stand up and walk away. Okay? I have been through something. We have done something. You can't just say, yeah, okay, bye. Bam. You oh, can't do that. Don't do that. That's not cool. It's not cool at all. So, I've been watching the Big Brother reunion a lot recently. And Dorothy said something about Brito. Like, she gave Brito oral sex. And the next morning, he didn't say hi. He didn't say good morning. I that, I like, was, that was terrible. Exactly. I think that when you go into certain... So, this is just oral sex. But when you have certain levels of intimacy with people i think that after care the communication after is very key because you just did stuff that you're slightly ashamed of if you're going to be honest you're not going to tell people oh like i got blindfolded i got whipped last night it's a it's a very sensitive (laughs) i think it's a very sensitive um adventure that you proceed on generally so when you do decide to get into things like that with people as a decent human being, I think it's just important to make sure that they are comfortable before, during, after. Yep. Don't leave any room for awkwardness. This isn't necessarily a you must do, mm-hmm. but I think it's just a nice to do. I feel like it's a you must do, man. The mm. wind down part is very important in BDSM. Like, you're coming down together, you have that experience. It is also ensuring that you don't because you can walk in prostitution now and then later on you hear the babe call you and say actually i didn't like consent to this have those you need to have that conversation after ensure that everything went smoothly for both of you or did you like that i don't know if i felt comfortable with that like next time maybe we should try this like wind down together it also ensures that the person that you having this conversation with doesn't leave their feeling used because, like I said, BDSM is all about sadism and masochism. One person is going to feel like they have been used, right? They're going to feel like that. But at the end of the day, you don't want them to go away feeling that way emotionally. The aim is to make them feel that way. Like, I was used, but I liked it. Yeah. Not used, and now I'm emotionally used. <laughs> Let's not do that. So, I mean, if you're going to try BDSM, guys, ensure you have the right tools, ensure you have the right person, ensure that this is what you want if you're into it. Not saying that I'm specifically into it, to be honest. And enjoy. And enjoy. Don't don't try BDSM and then not enjoy it because people that are into BDSM would always tell you that they always have an amazing time. So, yeah. All right, guys, and that wraps up the Tea with MT for today. See you guys again next week. Make sure you're following us on the Tea with MT pod on Instagram and check out all our DSPs. Listen, watch, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. We're here for you. And also send us a DM if you have anything that you want us to talk about as well. We're always happy to take your requests on Dear TMT. All right, thank you, my lovey.